Hey guys, it's Keith. So it's uh, mid-November, and I've been mulling over various topics to discuss with you during the past weeks, and I've had a really hard time, like a sort of writer's block. And I've been analyzing that and wondering what that's about. And, you know, I've considered various topics here and there, some recommended by friends. And I've had this attitude toward everything, like, is it really worth talking about that? Is it worth my time? Is it worth your time? Is it worth the energy? Um, Is it worth pulling me away from my other interests? And that got me a little existentially in crisis as a podcaster and as a thinker because I started feeling like I was losing my edge. Like, wow, do I not have a passion for speaking my mind? Have I said everything that I want to say? Am I afraid again of saying the wrong thing or putting myself into a position of compromise on certain controversial topics? What's going on here? I think a part of what's going on is just that is it is it really worth saying anything on so many different topics i just wonder what the value is in adding more noise to the conversation perhaps it's a cop out perhaps it's an excuse and somebody like me should not be making that excuse but when i listen to pundits and thinkers go on and on about current events i feel a little um I feel some toxicity there. I feel some negative added value, some subtracted value from my life. And I think it's probably not the right headspace. It's not probably a a productive headspace to be in thinking about this kind of news. And my friends are pointing this out to me. For instance, I think probably too much about trans activism because I see so many scary things in it not about trans people but about the activism itself about the logic being used the the tactics being used to bludgeon people into you know through guilt through um you know twisting language to ignore biology to ignore common sense all to make this political point and how so many people fall for that good people that want to be good and do the right thing we end up prioritizing kindness and over sensitivity beyond and above reason and truth the pursuit of truth and knowledge and understanding it really disturbs me and the way that everybody just kind of gloms onto that i don't know about everybody but so many people i know would rather make sure that they're being nice to who they think are aggrieved people whatever victim class you you choose to prioritize that day This is such a trend, and it's a real problem with leftist politics these days. It's a real problem. It's very alienating for moderates and for uh, people on the left as well. Now, I'm on the left. I'm also kind of a moderate, but not really, not technically. I think of being a moderate as somebody that doesn't really care too much in any direction, that it's easy for them to see both sides, and they just think whatever, like it's not worth getting too much into and I kind of like this attitude this chill attitude known as the grill pill uh, in political compass meme culture that you'd prefer to just barbecue with your family and friends than worry about politics and the news cycle there's something freeing about that and I think 
I enjoy my time away from thinking out loud on these topics because maybe it's not worth my time to think about trans activism and redefining what a woman is. And maybe it's not my business if trans people compete against women in sports or that 10-year-old children are being given hormone blockers. Like, why do I care? I mean, I think it's terrible. I think it's child abuse to do that and to let children make such decisions like that when the majority of them end up regretting it. Uh, I think it's sad for women that gold medals are now going to be taken by men, you know, or not men, sorry, former men. Um, And I think it's sad and tragic that in the public discourse, the arena of public discourse, people are, you know, deplatformed and stripped from their Twitter handles because they say something controversial about this topic. I mean, this is crazy stuff to me. That's why I care about that topic. But choose any topic, you know, Israel and Palestine. Like if I make a case for Israel because I think it's a cool place to visit and I want that kind of environment to flourish, you know, like it's so easy to be to for me to be seen as a as a, a hateful person, as some sort of imperialist pig, because I'm not appropriately sympathizing with the victim here, Palestine. Same if I criticize anything about BLM or all of this stuff is seen through these lenses of ideology, and it's dangerous. It's really dangerous. And I want to talk today about a very specific case through this lens that uh, is kind of known online as radical centrism. And it's a position I often take. It's often just playing devil's advocate or being contrarian. It's all about balance for me. And when I'm among friends discussing topics, I'm really interested in finding balance in a mood or conversation. Now, that's not entirely the case. Like, there are plenty of situations where I just have very predictable opinions you know, like <laughs> recently the whole hashtag free Britney movement came to a head because Britney Spears is now freed from her uh, conservatorship. And I think this is fantastic. I think this is amazing news and I'm super happy for Britney. And I was very moved by the documentary that the New York Times put out. And I am, have been a fan of her as an artist um, in a kind of kitsch way. But nonetheless, like I support her. And I think it's been a tragedy that she's been under this conservatorship where she's like had to give up all of her money to these people that run her life. And it's tricky. It's, you know, there's something to be said in there, I guess, like whatever. There's some things to be said, but I just (laughs) outright celebrated it. And my friend Cherie was like, oh, wow, I thought you would have more of a hot take on this. This is such a bland opinion that everybody has because I was just celebrating it. So I can do that, you know, and I have a lot of opinions like that that are pretty obvious and easy, but it's more fun for me not to provoke you and get under your skin. That's not my goal, but it's to balance out a conversation so that we don't become ideologues. I I think my biggest fear is that me and people around me just become poisoned by ideas that aren't really thought through that are just grabbed because they sound good and they're trendy and I just think it's trendy right now to prioritize kindness you know I think it's good to have the virtues of fairness and egalitarianism obviously like the biggest strength of feminism 
is its egalitarian principle of gender equality. But we have that term already. We have egalitarianism to be seen as equal in the eyes of God and the law. You know what I mean? Like fundamentally speaking, we should be treated the same in these kind of generic ways. But obviously we're not the same. We're just not the same. So it becomes a little foolhardy to go down that path and rebrand things in certain ways and all this. So I do like to get into those kind of topics, but it's not from a a partisan point of view. It's not from the right wing that I'm talking. It's from a radical centrist, a radical recentering. And it is radical because it's unusual now to be center. It's unusual because the world has become so divided between left and right. You know, you're either a hippie that wants to erase all borders or you're some Nazi that wants to, you know, uh, genocide all other groups. Creating a really rational immigration plan is really hard in the public discourse because the extremes take so much energy up. And if you just err on the one little side, if you take a step toward, well, maybe we shouldn't be letting in people coming from this kind of background because they're more likely to commit crime and not gel with our way of life. You're seen as hateful because you just think you're, people think you're racist because you don't give people a chance that would maybe fit right in easily. Okay. So these are really hard topics. Let's go with an easier topic today. Um, we're going to talk about this trial that's gone going about this boy called Kyle Rittenhouse. And it's a story that I've been trying to ignore because, again, I just don't think it's healthy or relevant to my life to care about this story. It's not a big deal, really. It's just a kid that shot some other people. And, you know, it kind of happens all the time, right? I mean, murders happen all the time and deaths happen all the time. And is this a, is this a murder? Is it not? Like, I guess it, I guess the more I think about it, I do become interested and that is why we're going to talk about it. But I've just been trying to ignore it because I don't really know what good it does in my life to get involved in this story, especially because it is now a politicized story. Actually, it always has been. That's why it's a story at all. It's political, but it shouldn't be political. And that's the case I'm going to make today. And I want to use as a very quick example, a prelude to that, the story from about two years ago, January 2019, the confrontation at the Lincoln Memorial in D.C. There was this really awkward afternoon where a group of Catholic high school boys from Kentucky were visiting the monument. And they were wearing MAGA hats, possibly ironically, possibly because they are legitimately conservative. And they found themselves in this kind of kerfuffle with a native Amerindian man who was drumming in this boy's face. And you guys have probably seen this image of this kind of smug looking kid staring at this activist guy. And Twitter just saw that image and just blew up. And all these leftists were like clamoring to dox this kid and to go after them and how he's just such a smug fuck and it's just such white privilege and toxic masculinity and all this shit, you know? And it turns out like this kid did nothing wrong at all. He didn't provoke anyone. This activist approached him and wouldn't get out of his face and the boy didn't know what to do and he just stared at him. And it's like this poor kid whose life has like been absolutely like <laughs> turned topsy-turvy over this stupid incident 
that leftist activists manufactured just to harass him, essentially. And it's really uncool. But they were able to do that because they're fighting under the guise of something more virtuous. And I think that's really the danger with politics is that you think you're right. You just think so much. You believe so strongly that you are right and that your overriding value of equality or niceness is just, it gives you the moral superiority to tell other people that they're wrong and to even resort to violence because of it. And on the other side, the right wing is also guilty of stuff like that, you know, with like anti-abortion, you know, there's this fundamental belief that the soul is imbued into an embryo and that it's murder to get rid of it because of Christianity. And these are really dangerous ideas because they can possess people to extremes. And I think whenever I'm talking with somebody, even if I'm talking to a pro-choice person, which I also am, I have to remind them of who they're talking to. They're not, not in my case, but if they're talking on this debate, in this debate about a right to choose, that is a different conversation entirely than what your opponent is talking about, which is life itself fundamentally. And I, I just think we get lost in this stuff. So we're going to use this kid, Kyle Rittenhouse, as an example today. So let me tell you the story of Kyle Rittenhouse, because I think a lot of you won't know the details here. Let's take ourselves back to the summer of 2020, when we were all on lockdown, and life sucked, and we were all going stir-crazy, and not even hugging each other, because we were just told by the CDC and the World Health Organization that we had to stop this virus from spreading by just absolutely eliminating all of our social contact. And in that space, in that deranged mentality that we were sharing, George Floyd was killed. He died under the, well, he died in a hospital. And he also had complications from coronavirus and he was on fentanyl to an extreme degree. But in any case, <laughs> Derek Chavan sat on this guy for a long time and he died. And this was a huge political event because it gave people an excuse to leave their houses and go out on the streets. It was their moral obligation. And the government even signed off on it. It was insane. The CDC even said like, yeah, under this case, it is okay to suddenly swarm and congregate together. <laughs> you know, it's insane that like, we just broke those rules just like that because we just had this moral duty to fight racism. And of course it had to be racism, right? Because the cop was white and the, the guy that died was black. So we have to reduce it to racism, of course. Never mind that white people have also died like that and that black officers have also accidentally killed people like that, etc., etc. Never mind all those details. To even mention them makes me some sort of hateful Trump supporting bigot, I think. But, anyways, uh, that's the scenario we're starting in 2020. A lot of there were a lot of cases that became popular, Brianna Taylor and etc. One that you might have forgotten is a guy called Jacob Blake. He was shot four times by a police officer in Kenosha, Wisconsin. So I mean, you might just assume, presume, that the cop just shot him for fun because the kid was black. That would be the American narrative here. 
he actually happened to have some outstanding warrants, meaning he was, uh, he should have been arrested many times and he was escaping trial. Uh, he had a weapon on him. He had a knife. He brandished the knife in front of the police officers. He was told to drop it and he didn't. He ran away instead and he was shot. Now, I'm not going to endorse that. That's bad policing, in my opinion. Even if this guy was a serial killer, like, there must be a better way to capture a perpetrator. But he was no saint. I want to make that clear. He was no saint, and it wasn't like, well, who knows? It depends what you believe. You might believe that it was racism. Maybe you would think a white guy would get away with it, even though there's a lot of evidence that white guys also don't get away with it. And you can look it up on YouTube right now if you just Google cops shoot unarmed white man. You can find that. Uh, in any case, you can think that this is racist, and a lot of protesters did. Uh, so it was the trend to venerate and celebrate black victims purely because they're victims. And absolutely punish and admonish all law enforcement simply because it seemed unfair. And it probably is unfair. I mean, it doesn't sound good to me. So people take to the streets and you hope that protests are peaceful and that it's just chance of reforming police, which I totally support. But of course, a lot of these get out of control. Riots ensue, burning of buildings, looting of businesses. And it's not good. It's not good, guys. I drove through Minnesota in 2020 and saw just street after street, boards and boards of every window, every shop, just like all closed down, all destroyed. You know, I mean, it's insurance companies maybe paying for it. So it's not like I'm crying too much about it, but it's really pathetic to see what people do to their own communities, bringing down the value of housing. You know, it's, it's a real blemish on a community when it's pillaged like that i don't think people understand that so this is happening in kenosha wisconsin around and around the country in general and this kid kyle rittenhouse he sees that he works in kenosha wisconsin even though he lives across the state line in antioch illinois but that's like a very short distance very very short like less than half an hour maybe a mile even so this border is suspect. I have to I have to clarify that because it's not like he's like traveling across state lines in a in a generic sense like that, you know. It's basically his own neighborhood. Okay, so this kid is conservative. Let's be honest about it. He's a he's a guy that endorses law and order and wants to serve and protect and feels a sense of duty to protect his fellow countrymen and all this kind of stuff you know it's typical rah-rah conservative values now these are not my values so i want to make it clear that i'm not siding with kyle rittenhouse because of the kind of guy he is you know he's also just like a pudgy looking dorky gun collecting teenage nerd guy like i don't really relate to him Though I will admit that seeing pictures and video of him in trial crying and just looking kind of doe-faced, I have sympathy for him. Like, this is a 17-year-old boy. He's on trial for murder. That's insane. Um, I feel that way about... You could show me anybody like that, unless they're like a really toughened criminal. It's harder to have that kind of sympathy. But you can always kind of see something behind their eyes, you know? Like, what happened in your life that you became like this, you know? Like, it's easier for me to empathize somehow with people in these kind of conditions 
because people are products of their societies, you know, people turn out certain ways through no fault of their own. Free will didn't bring them there. Anyways, so Kyle Rittenhouse is this kind of kid and he decides to go to Kenosha to the protests, kind of to counter protest, let's say, or more like to stand guard and defend property because there was this one shop that wanted help. He's not licensed to do that. So it's like, there's a lot wrong here, right? Like, why does this kid own guns? Not that it's criminal to do that per se. It's an open carry state, so that's allowed because America. Um, he's going for trouble. It looks like he's just going to look for trouble. A lot of people are doing that. The protesters were doing that too, right? Looters and uh, opportunists are also doing that. Cops, by definition, could be described as doing that, looking for trouble in order to prevent it. Um, so he's doing that. Now, I would have said, just stay home. Like, it's not worth your time. And I'm telling you guys all, it's like activism and counteractivism, counter-protesting is a waste of time and energy and it's foolish and dangerous and I don't see the point. But I've had some experience. I've had it out of my system. I don't care about it. So that's easy for me to say. But I would recommend caring about other things just like my friends tell me to care about other things just from the point of view of thinking about them. All right. So Kyle Rittenhouse goes to the protest site he's there he's holding his gun and protesters antagonize him they see him they say oh here's some right-wing you know racist fuckface. he's the bad guy let's get him and it's like basically just like that i mean if you watch videos online from 2020 it's insane the tribalism and animal instincts and brutality and terrible behavior on all sides. Like, no matter what your political beliefs, you can find all this shit from people animated by toxic ideology, whether it's from the January 6th Capitol riots or Antifa organized stuff in the Pacific Northwest trying to burn down the, you know, the state courthouses and just doing damage to property all over just because of rage and feeling, you know, somehow excluded from mainstream society. I mean, there's just so many things like this, you know? So this is all started by one guy called Joseph Rosenbaum, a 36-year-old, so basically twice the age of Kyle Rittenhouse, who is protesting and he basically instigates all of this. He's threatening a lot of people. He's like basically a deranged, crazy freak uh, kind of guy who you're afraid of on the streets, you know, like maybe that's putting it too strongly. Um, maybe I can <laughs> walk back some of those words, but he was just released from hospital. He was, he had suicidal tendencies. He was a little off, you know, and I don't say that with judgment. I can sympathize with people with mental issues, but it's, it is interesting how frequent it's the case that people that get involved in protests and counter protests have mental issues. I mean, it's hardly like a good use of your time. And let's be honest, are their lives even in order? Can they even handle their own lives, let alone tell everyone else how to live their lives? So I, it, it's very hard. I have a, I have some, a lot of cynicism about protesters because it's like, who are you to tell the world how to be like what makes you 
what gives you that right? What, what, why should we respect you? Why should we respect your, your, your position on this? It's pure passion, which is admirable to an extent, but it's dangerous. And this story is exemplifies that. This guy gets shot by Kyle because he approaches Kyle. He is threatening him. He's bigger. He's scarier. He's trying to hurt him. He's swinging at him. And he goes for the rifle and he's cornered Kyle. He's like backed him into a corner and he's really antagonizing him. And Kyle shoots him. He shoots him four times. I don't know what that number means. I don't know rifles. It's a... it's easy to shoot rounds with certain guns. So I'm not reading too much into the four times thing, but you could, you could really say, Oh, see now if it was just once that could be self-defense But four times. I mean, we would have to listen to more of the trial to really understand that detail, but he shoots him four times and the guy's dead now. So Kyle freaks out here. He's like realized what he's done. He's in shock. He's calling his friends and being like, I just killed somebody. And then all the other protesters catch wind of this and they're trying to chase Kyle down. And they're yelling and they're out for blood. And there's this next guy who, uh, you know, basically people are starting to like punch and kick and hurt Kyle. And Kyle is like on the floor taking it. And one guy is, hits him with his skateboard. He has a skateboard and he swings it really hard at Kyle's body and hits him. And Kyle shoots again and kills this guy called Anthony Huber, a 26-year-old. So this guy is beating this kid on the ground with a skateboard. That's the scene that we're in, you know. That's the scene that we're in. That's the kind of people we're talking about here. All these people are white, by the way, <laughs> for the record, um, which is pretty ironic given that this is like, you know, all because of racial injustice, you know? Okay, so that guy's dead. Then people are still swarming him. Kyle's trying to get away. He's trying to run toward the police to like be in a safer zone. He can't get there. This next guy called... Uh, I think it's Gage Grosskreutz. I'm not clear on that name. Another 26-year-old. He's now fighting Kyle, and he pulls out a gun. He has a gun. It's a concealed pistol. He had a permit, but it expired, if those kind of details matter to you. He points his gun at Kyle. He points his gun at Kyle. Kyle shoots him. He doesn't shoot to kill him. He shoots him in the arm, and the guy survives. He's taken the stand. You can watch his testimony now online. This guy pointed a gun at Kyle, you know, like, I don't know how much more in self-defense you can shoot somebody when they have a gun pointed at you. Uh, the rest of the story is essentially that Kyle tried to surrender that night to police, but police didn't stop. So he turned himself in later on. And a year later now, he's in trial. Um, there's video of him crying. There's uh, a lot to say about the judge and the prosecutor and how... Uh, inept the prosecution is the judge is apparently some right-wing sympathizer of kyle and one example of that which i don't take a lot of um, credence in is that the judge said we're not going to call these deceased victims because victims implies that kyle is a criminal who you know, antagonize these guys. And that's what we're, this trial is all about. So we're not going to just give that to the prosecution and, and say that they're victims. Because quite honestly, especially the third guy, he's not a victim. He's an assailant. He's attacking Kyle. And Kyle shot first, shot back, you know. So I don't know how much 
I again, I don't want to. I don't want to care about this. <laughs> I don't care if the judge is right wing or what. I don't care if Kyle is like a a secret white supremacist. Like it doesn't matter to me. And I think it's a problem if it matters to you, because when I you know I just tuned in today. I watched MSNBC coverage of this and it was so slanted it was just so biased like portraying kyle as this bad guy and like going into the details like obviously they're talking to a certain leftist audience that wants to hear it in a certain way and believes that kyle is bad simply because he shot protesters and protesters are good because they were protesting what's really bad, which is racism. So it just becomes this really convoluted way of thinking. Like, A, I hate racism because I'm a good person and that's what we all have to do now. B, I support people that hate racism also, no matter what they do. If they're burning down the courthouses, if they're tearing down statues, if they're punching Nazis, if they're killing people like they have in Seattle in the Chaz Chop area where crime was running amok. Um, I support it all because I'm against racism and no matter what Antifa does, no matter who they beat up, you know, no matter how much footage there is of them punching people in the face and breaking down property, they're anti-fascist. So I support them because that's my side, you know, conversely on the right, the right wing generally supports police. They, it's like the blue lives matter thing. They just endorse law and order and they just support police even if police are corrupt and don't report certain things and the sergeant is like, you know, crumpling up that paper in order to protect his guys or whatever shit is going on, they support police. And it's stupid. It's a stupid way of looking at the world because it's like you just have your side and you just, you don't have to think anymore. You just think, okay, who's our side? The protesters? What side was Kyle on? Oh, he was he was on the side of the police against the protesters. He was protecting property fuck him. You know, like that's essentially the depth of this interaction, this dialogue. And that's stupid. It's stupid. Now, I'm I'm sure that you, dear listener, are above that by and large, I hope. But maybe you are also, uh, you know, none of us are purely immune to this stuff. So if maybe you have gotten some amount of your news from certain sources that have framed Kyle in a certain way, so that you want to see him guilty because maybe you really believe that having a firearm at all and they're then using it even against people that are attacking you is wrong i don't know where you would draw the line i don't know if you would you know what if someone broke into your house and tried to you know imagine the worst thing you want imagine the worst thing you want happening in your house you don't think you have a right to defend yourself or your family you know, like, it's really, I don't understand people that are so anti-gun that they can't imagine a single instance where it could be valuable, especially for women who lack the physical strength to combat most assailants on the street or in their houses. Like, you don't think a, a, a tool that shoots a projectile with brute force into a body is helpful for somebody that is overpowered physically? <laughs> I mean, I'm not trying to endorse guns, but like, I'm just imagining the argument against Kyle Rittenhouse is so much based on the fact that he was carrying around a gun. And again, I don't endorse that. Like, I think he was in the wrong place at the wrong time. He shouldn't have been there. But does that make him a murderer? Does it make him a murderer? I want to read you. Um, 
this is a tweet this is a tweet i saw online yesterday that made me think about this case if kyle rittenhouse is acquitted i call on all of you to take justice in our own hands find him ourselves and give him street justice emoji of a skull emoji of a gun this is what happens when clearly prejudiced judges like Fox News cultist Bruce Schroeder have a clear agenda. Fuck this. Kyle Rittenhouse is guilty. I mean, that's insane. That's like an insane person who's like animated by hate. And that's what's so ironic to me is like it's so hateful, the levels of toxic hate that come from people that espouse their own virtues of love and acceptance and tolerance and equality and giving everybody a chance and you know like they preach that they're so loving and good and then they're literally calling for the death of this kid who was defending himself it's um it's a little insane to me how how vulgar that is and it's hypocritical it's like let's literally do what we're accusing Kyle Rittenhouse of doing, which is like street justice. Let's go do that now to him. Like, where are the values? Where are your values? And I think that's my point is just that I'm looking at this as detached as possible. I'm trying to look at the facts and I'm trying to determine what my values are. I definitely believe in this kind of quaint idea nowadays that we are all innocent before the law until proven guilty it's i say it's quaint and it's like a little unheard of nowadays because of you know in this era now it's like once you get accused of something you're you're done that's what cancel culture is about right like uh jk rowling is a transphobe period because the twitter mob has spoken you know if somebody calls you racist especially if a black person calls you racist like you're racist forget it like you're guilty no evidence needed someone felt it they called it and now you're that, you know, the Me Too movement. It's like, believe all women is insane. I mean, it's an insane thing to say in our legal system. It's your job as a juror to literally not believe any woman <laughs> of accusing a guy of assaulting her. You can't believe anyone. You need proof. You need pr evidence. So I, I don't know. I guess that makes me old school. I guess that makes me a hateful person to give basically anybody and everybody the benefit of the doubts and to think, okay, hold on. I know what kind of climate we're living in now. I know how crazy people get, you know, swept up in their ideas. Let's just hear this out. And that was kind of my perspective on Kyle Rittenhouse. I didn't do any real research on him until today. I just was ignoring this topic because I just thought, well, yeah. This guy is a pawn in whatever agenda I'm consuming. If it's leftist news, they're going to use him as this, you know, punching bag for how the right wing is running amok with guns and taking down people. And people are assuming, you know, I read this other thing, like <laughs> people literally think that he killed a black person, that he was the one that might have killed, for instance, James Blake or Jacob Blake rather <laughs> in Kenosha. Or that he was even the guy that killed George Floyd. Because, like, when you just take a step back and you just look at the big names on the, you know, in the in the hashtag cloud or whatever. George Floyd, obviously, biggest name we got as a victim 
despite whatever. He's just a victim, period. And we have now Kyle Rittenhouse as this big name of like a white guy with a gun. It's a huge name that we can attach to that. So I think a narrative in a lot of people's minds is that Kyle Rittenhouse killed George Floyd. Now, maybe that's an exaggeration. I read a couple comments that were saying as much from their moms and stuff, but like, obviously that's hype. That's hyperbole, but it's sad that basically this is what we really care about is just constructing this narrative and making the narrative fit our value systems. So if we value this asinine belief that America is this fundamentally racist place where nobody can get ahead unless they're a privileged white male, cis male, you know, whatever, that we have to like just support that belief with whatever evidence we can, even if we're grasping at straws, even if almost every single hoax that comes out, sorry, every single hate crime that comes out is a hoax. I just watched something on the LeBron James hate crime. You know, someone had spray painted his like his his gate to his house with the N-word. And the police investigated it and found absolutely nothing. Nothing. Now, am I accusing LeBron James of fabricating a hate crime against himself? Yes. <laughs> I am. I am doing that. I mean, I I don't know. I've watched LeBron talk on this topic a bit, and he just comes off as so uh, annoyingly arrogant and woke that it just it, it annoys me. And it just does fit the mold. You know, we had Juicy Smollett, Juicy Smollier doing this fake hoax in Chicago where he, like, was a por- apparently jumped by white supremacists with a noose you know, and it was turned out to be his Nigerian bodyguard guys or something, or like even the, you know, when I hear of anything like this, uh, the NASCAR, the black guy in NASCAR that walked in and there was a noose in his room, like, what are the chances, what are the chances that a white person did that? People like to be victims nowadays. It's like cool to be a victim. And I think that's pathetic. And I don't know why, I don't know why we would endorse that kind of narrative. Like, oh, you're a victim, you're better than me. I have to promote you now. What is that? What is that? Also, what is it that, given this court case looking like it's going to be an acquittal, meaning a not guilty decision, the police are ready for massive protests and riots in response to this decision? Harkening back to this tweet I read you, and there are plenty more like it. The left is violent. Now, obviously, I don't mean all leftists. I don't mean the Democratic left in general. But, you know, when Joe Biden, is that his name? (laughs) When Biden was elected president over Trump, there were major forces out in case he lost because if biden lost and trump won american cities would have burned what does it say about the left that they take such news so irresponsibly and i don't know i don't want to sound like some fox pundit here but it's true it's literal fact that 
cops will put on riot gear if there's bad news for leftists, and they won't do that if there's bad news for the right wing. That is an embarrassing fact, in my opinion. I don't think it's cool. It doesn't show a lot of respect for this voting block, this contingent of people, if they can't be trusted to value their cities and their fellow people if they don't get the news they like. And it would be one thing if it was like taking to the streets for a a good cause, you know, like I can still get behind that, you guys. Like I'm not so against it. Like, look, <laughs> if your fundamental rights are taken away, I'm it, like protesting makes more sense. If some like if shit is really going down, you know, and quite frankly, I feel like the people that have that argument the most are anti-vaxxers i'm sorry to say that but like civil rights like patriot act stuff um i don't know like that's the stuff that to me it's like this is affecting my life for real now you know but like universal healthcare problems like healthcare costs rather uh wages um student debt like there are real things to be angry about and to think that <sighs> perceived racism in a case like this, where a white boy shoots in self-defense three white males, that's insane. That's like, you're out of your gourd if you think that there's like an argument there that's not based on a flimsy ideology. And I think it's pathetic that people on the far left can't be, can't think, basically, And I guess that's the spirit in which I'm making this podcast because I guess it does turn into another just me ranting about the crazy ideological left because it really does get under my skin in a way that somehow the ideological right doesn't because the right wing doesn't have cultural value right now. It doesn't have any influence at all. It doesn't have any influence at all, guys. It's all this like maddened left wing that is running things and it's a little sad it's a little sad there is hope might do another podcast on the hopes i've been seeing like the new york times they recently published this amazing youtube video by johnny harris who i've been a fan of for a while that's like questioning the leftists values in itself uh they hired john mcwarder to talk rationally about race issues uh there is some hope happening there is some uh you know waking up from the Trump derangement syndrome happening. But overall, it's like a little sad to see how misbehaved people have been in partisan politics in general. (sighs) All right. I don't know if I've stayed on topic or not. I think I've outlined that case well enough. Um, If you care about it, research it. Maybe I've missed some points. Maybe you can tell me, Keith, you know, you really didn't uh do enough research there you're really obviously too much sympathizing with kyle rittenhouse because he also did this and that and you know he probably maybe he is some white supremacist with like some crazy whatever i don't know prove prove it to me prove it to me build a case the prosecution in court certainly isn't doing a good job and i for one am happy about it like i think you do need a ton of evidence to put away a 17-year-old boy into jail. Like, you better fucking bring it and prove to me what a scumbag this guy is who deserves to be locked up. Because otherwise, you are putting a fresh-faced, 
naive boy into the hands of a monstrous system that will eat him up, abuse the hell out of his body and mind. And if you want to justify that, (laughs) you better have a fucking strong argument. That's why you're innocent until proven guilty. Because if he's not guilty, that's really bad. And look, he's already gone through hell with this court trial thing. You know, like, this is punishment enough for most people to just be scrutinized this much and to live this every day and to be on public record with all your dirty laundry being aired out. You know, like, that sucks, man. That sucks. I don't want to do that, even if I'm innocent. Like, even if it's a weak case, I never want to get dragged into court. You know, like, it sounds awful. Like, just being accused of something is awful. And what's the punishment for the accuser? What's the punishment for the prosecution? Nothing. Nothing. A woman doesn't lose one shred of anything in her life to claim rape. Nothing at all. Like, keeps her job, keeps her social standing, no punishment at all, no jail time. Like, that's why... I mean, and what is the cost for the man? At best, his reputation is ruined. At best. (laughs) You know, like, it's just real, like, Kyle Rittenhouse is going to be a household name and a, like, a bad guy in a lot of people's minds forever. Now. All because three thuggish activists tried to beat him up. You know? And that's sad. And that's why activism is stupid. Don't get involved in shit you don't fully understand. Don't think you know the the best. You don't play sides. Like, politics is not sports. Why do we think it's sports? Find a true path. Find balance. Find a middle ground. And be centered in your life before going and meddling in other people's business and telling other people how to live and as if you know, as if you know who's racist, as if you know what's in people's hearts fundamentally, as if you know the the inner workings and the details of world history, for crying out loud. All right, that was a pretty good rant, I guess. Um, I could keep going. I could go into the history of prejudice and how actually good America is by comparison to a lot of places. I could go into actual victims of real things that are happening right now. I could go into actual bad guys and perpetrators of things that are happening right now and actual governments that are doing terrible shit. I could go into actual worthy news going on, but it's somehow less interesting, you know, it's somehow less interesting to talk about. Like the fact that Apple has produced such a powerful system on a chip processor in their new laptops that it just like absolutely, you know, demolishes old benchmarks. That's a huge leap in technology. It's super cool. It's super cool. You know, cameras will be going shutterless soon. That's interesting technology, you know, um, computational photography is outstanding, self-driving cars i'm still getting more and more excited about the more that comes along people are like demonizing tesla and uh elon musk just because he's now the richest guy in the world and so there's all this hate against him like do people not have better things to do than hate out of jealousy and spite you know 
are people so small that they have to like claim that all innovation is on the backs of the working class who are just merely slaves and just absolutely exploited for Elon Musk's ego or something like that. It's really sad to me that people think that way. I don't want to like praise Elon or capitalism, but he's a hard worker and Tesla technology is helping the world. Definitely. So I don't know, give people a break, give Kyle Rittenhouse a break. Even if you think shooting people like that is wrong, um, or not convince me otherwise. Tell me why I'm wrong. Maybe, uh, I'm not, I'm not wed to it. You know, I'm not committed to this belief that he should be free and that he's not guilty. And maybe he will be guilty. You know, if he's found guilty, so be it. And I don't know the full details of the court case. Cause I haven't just, I haven't committed myself to it that much, but I fundamentally believe in approaching it from a centered and centrist perspective, getting the politics out of it because I'm not, I have no allegiance to either side. And I think the problem is that so many people do. So maybe get the ideology out of your ears when you look at a case like this. And if I'm being too harsh, my apologies. Uh, I'm still maybe trying to iron out how to say these things with utmost sensitivity to win hearts and minds. I am curious what so many of you think out there about this case um, or my fundamental point of being a radical centrist. It's the kind of meme that's mocked online, like choose a fucking side already. And uh, that might be true for soft moderates, but uh, I am actively not choosing a side here on this one. Uh, but one side still gets to be right, and I think that the leftists have to take an L in the Kyle Rittenhouse case. All right, guys. That's all for now. I'll be back soon enough. Until then. Ciao.